It's good to be with you this weekend, and it's good to see how many people are here on Sunday, considering it's a super long weekend. So thank you for being here today. That is excellent. Now, for the last few weeks, we have had multiple things that we have been talking about before we kind of get into the talk on Sunday mornings. You know, we've had graduations, which has been great, and all kinds of different announcements and everything else. Today, there's only one thing that I will share, and then we'll kind of get right into the thick of things. And that is that, you know, we were doing this big financial campaign for the last couple of months. It ended last Sunday, and the final number that came in for that, we were shooting for 440,000. 405,000 was the resting place for that. And you know what? Give that a big hand. That's 92%. 92% of the way, which is a huge number, especially in the length of time and considering how many funds that we've had to roll out over the last couple of years, that was really, really excellent. The other thing I want to let you know about is in the last two months, roughly, uh, we were able to work with our bank to take the money that we have in savings and actually start getting interest for that money. So we had to kind of negotiate with them about that. But in the last two months, we've earned almost $10,000 in interest on the money. So that's a cool thing, too. So... As things are right now, until we start to deplete that number down, which will start to kind of move faster as we move through the months, but roughly we'll earn probably like even for this next month, like four to $5,000 just on the money that's sitting there. So that's a great kind of return on investment as well. Awesome stuff going on. Uh, Pastor Scott met with the general contractor and our team this week. And even though we've had some delays, we've had a final little bit of paperwork issue that we're working through on the north wall. We're asking, praying, asking you to be praying uh, to see that final paperwork get finished up this week. Uh, but they still project kind of a January move-in. So uh, even though there's been some delay, it doesn't seem to be really pushing back the finish date. Uh, You know, they're like, we're afraid that you're going to ask us to get in by Christmas, and we don't think we can do that. And we're like, we don't think we're in the driver's seat of when you can get us in. So we're just happy you're doing it kind of thing. So uh, hopefully, man, everything's going to just keep rolling at this point. Good stuff going on. And so we will have fresh digs in the new year. That's going to be excellent. So anyway, good stuff there. There's a little bit of an update for you. But today, today, man, you have all done your due diligence. And so much like how our culture operates politically, uh, we had all sorts of candidate ideas for topics to discuss in the month of July. Then there was the primaries, right? It's like the top 10 that you had to vote on. And then you came up with your final five, the five for July. And today is the first of that final five, the five of July. And it's all about peace in a busy world or in a busy life. And I've amended that a little bit to be peace in a busy, crazy, frantic, disappointing, challenging life. That's a mouthful. And, and here's the thing about that. And, and this is why I have the stool up here. I did not have a peaceful week. And that's always the irony, right? That's the strange thing, especially like when you're a teacher or whatever else, and you kind of line up the topics. And I honestly thought about it. When I saw the list, I'm like, do I do that for the first week? Because I know, I know inevitably, God will use my life as a teaching tool to the topic, you know? And so I'm like, ah, do we put it at the end of the month, in the middle of the month? When do I want to suffer? I'll do the first week of July. So it was a very conscious decision and did not disappoint. So uh, I will let you know, just transparently upfront, not a peaceful week, right? It was a fatiguing week, a busy week, an internally hard week. There was a moment in this week where something I've never had the uh, kind of compulsion to do which was, I had this moment of such, like, heaviness. I'm like, I'm going to look up counselors, 
you know, just so I can talk to somebody and, and work through this heaviness kind of in my heart. So there was like that in there, and then there was just other things that were going on, and then finally we got toward the weekend. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. So my wife and I were saddling up to go take a walk with our granddaughter and then hang out with our middle child and everything else, and then our grandson had an accident literally as we were walking out the door. Uh, so my wife and my kids had to take my grandson to Evergreen Emergency. They couldn't do what was needed for surgery, so they had to take him to Children's. And by the time the surgery and everything was done, it was like 3.30 in the morning on Saturday. No peace. No peace. But I go, that's exactly, I think, where God would have us sometimes, right? And so in some ways, I'm kind of laughing as I come today where I'm like, okay, so I, I think I'm well-versed on how to handle this because I know what it's like to not have this, and then try to recalibrate to get back to those things when peace seems distant. And maybe that's true for some of you today. Like, maybe you're in that space where you're like, you know what, life feels frantic, life feels hard, life feels disappointing. It seems that, that, that peace feels elusive in life. Or maybe you've done some things in life where you're like, yes, I stepped in it, I made a terrible decision, and now there's no peace in my world because of the decision that's made. Or somebody else made a decision that's affected your life and affected your peace, and from that you're like, Matt, I need help today. Well, if that's you, I hope to help. Right? I do. And in that, what I hope to do is to give us some tools that we can use today. So there's all sorts of things that are out there on peace. I am not exhausting the topic in any way, but I'm hoping to give tools. And here's the thing about tools. Uh, they don't do the job for you, right? But if you work with the tool intentionally, thoughtfully, and in a focused disposition, those tools help you get to things and get uh, jobs done uh, effectively or more efficiently. And that's kind of the heart then of this. I'm going to give some tools about ways that we have positive peace, ways that we have negative peace, uh, ways that we can learn from peace, and then from that, some little uh, items on how to regain some peace or at least work toward peace in our life. That's kind of my mission today. And so, the way I'm going to start it off is prayer. Prayer for my sake, prayer for your sake, and prayer that Jesus will come among us and really produce uh, some thoughtfulness when it comes to peace. Now, the other thing I want to remind you of is do we do have an app, and in the app there are notes that are all there so you can follow along and kind of have those as a resource uh, in your world later. Uh, but hopefully, man, these are just little nuggets today that we can be reminded of, and then from that we can grow in greater grace and uh, hopefully in that to experience deeper peace. And so with that, hey, let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, I thank you for your faithfulness, and I thank you that you are the God of all peace that comforts us in all of our affliction. And I think even as I come today, I come much more lighthearted than I felt a few days ago. I come more refreshed than I felt, say, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. I thank you that you are faithful to what you say, which is when we lean into you, you help us, you guide us. doesn't mean you always remove all the things that may be a burden for us, but you give us the strength and grit and resolve to weather those things and from that learn new things. And so I pray that that's exactly true today, that we are learning little nuggets, little tools, and from that we can implement these things when life is good and when life is hard. So we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your investment. We thank you for the fact that, you know what, you say, come to me, dump it on me. I care about the challenges you face. And so I pray that we are faithful in that task, knowing that you are faithful to us. And so we love you, Jesus. We thank you for this day, and we thank you for your goodness and grace and your perfect name. Amen. So, P. 
peace. Yes, this is a thing that we all seek, but believe it or not, uh, God seeks it as well for our lives. He really does. It is a state of the inner being that he wants for us. It is a standard of our Christian witness that he seeks for us. And I would say it is the striving for our social order and world that he wants us to bring to bear as we bring our Christian experience because of that inner disposition that he gives us through peace. Now, what I also know about this is that there is no singular path to peace. It would be really easy to say, hey, just do this one thing and and you're going to have peace in life. Just pray it out and you're going to have peace. See, I find that that's not the way it really works. I'm not saying we don't pray for peace. We do. But it's not like the one size fits all. And in fact, if anything, as I was thinking about it this week, I thought it reminds me of like a football team. Peace is like a football team. Or seeing peace established is like that, where, you know, you might look and like at the Seahawks and say the key is a good quarterback, right? And that's all you need for a solid football team. But if you look at just the offense, no, you need a good run game as well as a good pass game. So you, you, you need a good offense, but then you also need a good defense that can play deep down the field, but also can deal with stuff right at the line. And then you need special teams, both the punter and the kicker and everything that revolves around that and returns of kicks. I mean, all of that is in there too. And then you have players where you have maybe three players that play the same position, but they play it with different nuances. And when you pull all of that together, that's when you have a winning team. And I think the same is true when it comes to peace. Right? There has to be a number of different things kind of all tethered together, all in play. And when you pull these all together, then you're moving in a direction where you're maximizing the potential to have that experience both in your life or you're bringing that to bear in the lives of those around you. You are bringing peace to the environment through your actions. And so we're going to explore some of that today. And I think it's important because when I think about the Bible and I think about the theme of peace, it's a major theme. It comes up over 360 times between the the Hebrew Old Testament and the Christian New Testament. And if you look at the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus, he makes that a huge quality in the Christian life, both for us to pursue and us to sense. I mean, even God's initiative of sending Jesus into the world was what? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's right there at the birth narrative of the story. So, so I don't want to shortchange it, even though I'm limited on time, and we're going to try to kind of coalesce around a handful of ideas, but I just want us to realize that, yes, it is important. Yes, God wants it for our life, and yes, we want it too. And so what are some of the things that can help us experience this elusive concept? Today is kind of like four points, and the fourth point has four points, and so you do what you want with that. That's like eight, but four, and it'll make sense when we get there, all right? So, so how do we press this idea into our world? Well, if you're taking notes with us this morning, I want to start with the first thing, which is reinforce peace by doing right things. Reinforce peace in your life and the life of others by simply doing right things. Now, in social science, they call this positive peace initiatives, right? Where where you're bringing to any given environment good things, healthy things, moral things, in the hopes of establishing a broader peace for yourself and those around you. In the Bible, we see the idea of this as basically, hey, be wise, be godly, and from that, you're, you're better ensuring the possibility or you're increasing the odds of having peace in your life. In fact, you get this idea even from the, the wisdom of the Old Testament, where there's this sense of, hey, you do good and it can lead to blessing, you do bad, it can lead to cursing, so why wouldn't you want to do good? 
right? Because that heightens your odds. And, and, and so I think there's different ways to kind of look at this, right? Um, we can look at the, the, the good initiative, and in one sense we go, well, okay, that means just don't do bad things, right? And I go, that's fine. That's going to be helpful. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but we go, it's got to be more than that. And it can't just be neutral either. Uh, there has to be the sense in which if I want peace, I have to go out of my way to really lean in to living life in right ways, to making positive investment for the sake of peace. It's like thinking about this almost like finances, right? So if you treat peace like finances, you have three different modes in the financial world. You have withdrawal. And when you withdraw money, what happens? Your nest egg shrinks. And, and so you obviously don't want to live kind of shrinking your peace nest egg by making withdrawal that's negative. So you go, okay, well then I'll just save. But, but saving, it doesn't really give you what's needed, the added cushion for your rainy, no peace day. Which is why then I'm saying you have to make investment. You have to do the things that are going to then pay the dividends in your life because you're stocking up on kind of cushioning yourself for peace. In fact, one of the psalmists who had many great hits wrote this lyric. It says in Psalm 37, verse 37, Look at those who are honest and good. What a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. See, just looking at that right there, it stands out to me because, again, it's the investment idea. It's not just you go, I want peace, I like peace. No, you're thinking every day in terms of, hey, how can I make investments? How can I love the concept of peace and, and really want to see that then established in my world? And what do you see here? Well, it's those who are honest and good. Right? So just that alone kind of tips us off to some of the things that we need to know about when it comes to this topic. I think it's really, really valuable. Because what it tells us about peace is that peace doesn't just happen. Like, peace is this thing that you must work at. You must work toward. It requires a sense of honesty in your life. It requires determination. It, it really requires even a sense of intentionality to what we do. Or, as Jesus said... Peace is something that is made. Right? Didn't he talk about this? Blessed are the peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers or those who have peace. He says, no, the truly blessed people are looking at life and saying, man, how do I accomplish this thing? How do I create this, this beautiful order of peace in a world that is so often riddled by pain and decay? How do I make it happen? Well, what I dig is that Jesus' little brother wrote about this in the book of James. This is what he says in chapter 3. He says, The wisdom from above is first of all pure, but it's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, there are a number of things in here that I love. Right? This is like one of those mental go-to passages for me. The first, what I love about this, is that it deals with true wisdom. And I firmly believe, and not everybody agrees with me on this, and I totally get it, but I firmly believe that the goal of the Scriptures is not so we're so smart. I believe the goal of the Scriptures is that we would gain wisdom, that we would grow in wisdom, right? That we'd be truly wise people. That's the essence because then we see that wisdom plays itself out in all these beautiful ways. Wisdom has purity of motive. 
Wisdom has a love of peace. Wisdom is gentle at all times. Wisdom is willing to yield to others, which for us as Americans, that's a tough one. But it's a beautiful one, right? This wisdom is full of mercy, right? Mercy is strength under control, right? Where you could use it, but you don't use it because oftentimes to use it is to abuse it. Also, it does good in the world around you. This wisdom doesn't play favorites. This wisdom is always transparent. It's sincere in its intentions. All of which, when it plays in concert, all of those things together, when you live as a practitioner of those things, is then resulting in what? The making of peace. The creation of peace is literally listed here in James chapter 3. This is what it takes, right? And so we're meant to be creators of peace, where we contribute this to the lives of others around us. And even in doing that, that actually kind of forges more peace in us and for us. There's something where God even blesses when we go out of our way to be these types of people that God's like, man, then I recycle that into your life. It brings greater peace to you when you try to bring greater peace to others. And I love that heart. It's not always easy to do, but I love the heart. I think it increases our odds of sensing it more in our own life. And not just peace, but in this also joy. In fact, in Proverbs 12, our man Solomon says, deceit fills the heart, or the deceitful, deceit fills the heart of those who are plotting evil, rather, but joy fills the hearts of those who are planning peace. So this is why, again, I'm trying to emphasize this so hard, that it isn't just going to happen. You have to plan it. You have to orient your life uh, around the idea of saying, this is a high value. And, and then yet from that, you are instilled with greater joy that comes directly from God. So we go to him for it. So that's a positive piece. It's just doing the things that generate it, right? That's the first tool. But there's the inverse of this as well, right? The negative piece. Just as much as we're meant to pursue things, we should also avoid some things if we want peace in life. And so that's number two in your notes. Things that kind of disturb the peace. We want to resist disturbing peace by doing the wrong things. Romans chapter 2 says, There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. So chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Romans is basically saying everybody's a mess. There's going to be a problem for everybody. Everybody falls short. Everybody's got their stuff. You have religious sins. You have non-religious sins. Everybody's a mess. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, first for the Jew and then also for the Gentile. So just as doing good elevates our odds of peace, doing wrong elevates our odds of trouble and calamity. And you know this one, right? You know this one. So if you want to ensure you have no peace at your job, be disloyal. Do something dumb. Lie to get out of a mistake that you made. Undermine your boss, right? All of that creates what? Instability at work. Or if you're a child and you want to have no peace with your parents, be sneaky. If you're married and you want no peace with your spouse, I dare you to say something snarky on the in the car on the way home today, right? It's all it takes. Oh, you want to go there? That food's terrible. You know, and you're off to the races. Takes home almost nothing. So if you want no peace, say something ridiculous. You want no peace with a friend? Be passive aggressive. You want a lack of peace in your own conscience or heart? Have a secret sin. 
have a private thing that you're hiding and if it comes out, oh man, it's over for you. Like we all get it, right? There's just this reality that, that too often uh, the, the lack of peace in our life can be self-inflicted wounds. And so as much as we're saying, hey, I want peace, then we have to realize, okay, in part I work for it uh, through the positive things, but I also avoid the lack of peace through avoiding the negative things too. And you have to put these together because Again, I, I just know in my own life There are many times Where I go, I don't sense peace And it's because I'm not making right investments Or I, I don't sense peace because I'm making wrong investments and, and, and so these just They weigh on the human condition So the first two points Are really about kind of risk management Right? Don't risk stuff Manage your life in such a way That you don't add needless grief By doing foolish things but rather seek to insulate life as best as possible, at least, with good and wise decisions for life. Now, if you just live by those two points, is that going to guarantee you're going to have peace? No, right? And we all know that's the case, right? Just because you're avoiding bad things, you're pursuing good things, that is no guarantee that you're going to have peace in the conditions of life because life is difficult. Life can be a bummer. Life can serve stuff up to you that you didn't ask for, and it seeks to rob you of peace in those moments. So because of that, I want to kind of talk about this third idea, which is realize that a lack of peace can teach important things. I mean, I get that we all try to avoid the absence of peace, like we, we want peace in life. But again, it's going to get thrust upon you that it's stripped away, Right? And so you want to actually kind of realize that, hey, that's an opportunity. See, in my life, I have all these like little back pocket phrases like air on the side of grace and, you know, like slow is smooth and smooth is fast and, you know, just things like that. And one of my favorite phrases is everything teaches. Everything does. Right? So the conditions of your life, the circumstances that arrive on your plate, that is an opportunity to teach. It might teach you that, you know what, uh, you need more grit, or it might teach you you have grit. Good job. It might reveal things about your character, both flaws or strengths. It will reveal where your faith is at in life. Right? It just has the potential to do all of those different things. And so, man, when a hard time comes, it just exposes where we're at and that's okay it really is because those moments where you suddenly feel that peace is kind of ruptured away and you're just left with the pieces that is an opportunity to be like okay how is this teaching me i think about this in the lives of two different sauls saul 1.0 was in first samuel saul 2.0 is a dude in second corinthians Right? And they both had moments in their life where peace was suddenly gone. The first Saul was the first king of Israel. And he starts off solid. He loves God. He's doing the right thing. And through a series of decisions, right, that negative peace, he does things that are unhealthy, and he begins to kind of systematically lose peace till finally one day God's like, all right, I'm just going to pull the Holy Spirit from you. I'm going to give you a tormenting spirit in your life. And again, he just, everything falls apart. There's no peace. And the reason for that in his life was to teach him, dude, you've gotten far away from God. You don't know God, so you don't know peace. Tragically, he doesn't kind of turn from the air of his ways, but it was a moment to teach. But then I fast forward to the other Saul, who we better know as Paul, but he was named after King Saul. That was his original name. Goes through a little tweak when he comes to Christ. And he has this moment in 2 Corinthians where he is hurting. 
right? So here's this guy, he's godly, he's doing the right stuff, and still, peace has suddenly gone out of his life. He describes it as this euphemism of a thorn in the flesh, right? We don't know what it was, but it was something that just was creating a level of misery. I think psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, maybe even physically, we don't know, but there's this misery. And so he goes to God, and he's like, God, I don't have any peace. I don't have any rest. I'm aching. Please take this away. And God's answer is no. I'm going to leave this thing in your life. But, so it teach. What does it teach? Well, it teaches our man Paul, that grace is sufficient in our suffering. And that somehow that posturing of being weak because of this problem that's created burden actually makes him strong in the end. And I believe that, I can answer that too, that's cool. So I figure it rang, I can go ahead and highlight it. So um, it's actually calling in to catch the message, I love it. So Here's the thing about this, though, that's so important, right? So Paul gets into that space where then he has to realize, like, yeah, that's where I need to be. The more I know God, the more I know peace. The first Saul, know God, know peace. The second Saul, knows God, thus knows peace. And and I think that's kind of the thing that we all kind of want to remember in the context of this, right? That we need to lean into who God is. We need to rely on him more we've got to realize that when life is kind of rough and bad it's an opportunity for good for me to grow for me to level up in some ways and see even for me like i said it has personal value the reason it has personal value is because like for example i think about the building sometimes right and and like the finances and making it happen and the little things that kind of get in the way and you start to feel the pressure and there's no peace on a thing and then god's like matt my strength is sufficient in your weakness Right? You think I don't have this handled? I know you want an extra cushion. I know you want certainties. I know you want a pad. This is your problem, Matt. You want to play my role. Get out of my way. Trust me more than try to get ahead of me. Like, that's just a thing. Like, consciously, I'm like, yeah, I sometimes create a lot of absence of peace, and I'm not allowing this thing to teach me. I need to rely on God, and he can be my peace. Or another time that was a real lesson-teaching time Uh, was honestly pastoring during COVID. Can I tell you, of of the 30 years I've been in ministry, and there's been some hard seasons, right? Like I've shared, like my internship, there was a split. I went through this thing with a denomination that was really painful. By far, the two years of COVID were the worst as a pastor. By a long mile, right? Because there's all this division and distraction and Christians breaking fellowship and Christians breaking friendship. But that taught me even to back up and be like, what is the real essence of Christianity? And then how many things are we just getting in the way of ourselves with, right? How many things are we shooting ourselves in the foot of actually advancing kingdom causes in the world? So it was really good. It was painful, but it was good for me to go, hey, let's clear out all the distraction. What actually matters? So pain, the absence of peace, can be an ally, can be a friend. Now, is that fun? No. But it's good that the pain raises the questions so then we learn to seek the right peace. That's the value. And and so that's what we want to remember, right? Not always fun, but can always be helpful if you let it teach you. Now, here's what happens sometimes. Uh, We don't let it teach us, we just let it embitter us, right? Frustrate us, turn us off, put us out. So again, things can teach to the negative too if we don't lean into the positive. So we want to keep that in mind, too. We want to be aware of ourselves and the danger of getting in our own heads and not letting the thing teach.
So you go, okay, Matt, I got it, right? I got it. I, 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 I want to move more toward than away from what it means to be restored in peace. So what do we do? Well, it's number four in your notes. Remember what to do when the absence of peace is disrupting things. You just want to consciously go, hey, I, I have a little roadmap. I have a set of tools to live out to get this done, at least as best as I can, right? So if you're pursuing the things of point one, you're avoiding the things of point two, you're remembering the stuff of point three, then you can press in to the stuff of point four. Here's the first thing in point four, 4a. Go to all three persons of God as the source of peace, right? All three persons of God. So we're Christians, we're Trinitarians. We believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. Now, here's what I know about how we pray and interact with God. It gets a little confusing, and we're always worried, am I giving everybody in the Godhead enough attention, right? I don't know about you, but I go through that. Like, okay, I prayed to God four times. Did I get Jesus in there four times? Did I get the Holy Spirit? Am I supposed to pray for the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit? Do I talk to the Holy Spirit? Do I just talk to the Father through the Son? How does this work? Like, it can be really confusing. Here's my advice on peace. Go to all three. All right, that's my advice. And the reason I say that is because you see in the scriptures that all three are sources of peace. God the Father gives us peace in Romans 15. The Son taught us all this stuff so that we can have peace. And then the Holy Spirit, well, his, his outplay in our life is peace. So when you feel fear or dread or worry, Right? You feel panic, fatigue, unease, insecurity, whatever it is. Ask God for a hit of peace. I need your peace. Give me peace in my life. Remember the things that Jesus taught so that you can have peace in this world. Go to the Holy Spirit and say, I, I just need you to, to bring some peace in the storm of what's going on. Right? You just throw it all on kind of the Godhead table, like a blob. Right? It doesn't have to be eloquent. If anything, I think the rawness is what he, he really like, yeah, I, I get where you're at. Because even Jesus in his own life, there was moments where he didn't have peace, and you know what he did? He went to the Father. He's like, I just got to get away. I got to pray. I got to really seek him out in these things, and that's what we want to do. In fact, I love the way Paul pulls all three members of the Godhead together in Romans chapter 15. He quotes Isaiah, and he says, the heir of David's throne will come, and that is the Son and he will rule over the Gentiles, and they will place their hope on him. He says, I pray that God, and that is the Father, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I just dig that because it's hope, hope, hope. Father, Son, Spirit. Which then from that hope place derives joy and derives peace. So it just means going to God, man. Like, that's kind of the first step, right? And, and that may not instantly solve your, your heavy woe in the moment, but boy, that is the place you want to go, right? Just, God, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you in all of this. The second thing you want to do is 4B. Give all your issues to the God of peace. Just, man, get it all out there. It says in Philippians, don't worry about anything. anything. Instead, pray about everything, Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So does this mean uh, dump all your stuff on God? Yes. But it means dump it again intentionally. Uh, notice what he has here. Uh, don't just dump, but, but every time you, you feel that impulse to worry— it's a trigger to pray, right? So it's like, oh, I feel the heaviness again. 
God, you got to deal with my heaviness. And then as you're bringing all that heaviness to bear and you're converting your problems to prayers, the other thing you want to do here is as you're sharing what's plaguing you, you also thank him for the ways he's blessed you. That's in there too. It's really easy to say, just dump, 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 and not say, and thank you for the fact that you've brought me thus far. Right? So both are always in tandem. But then from doing that, what's it say? His peace is going to guard your heart and your mind. Right? So it's going to guard your emotions running away with you. It's going to guard your, your mind having a field day with you. Right? It's somehow... I don't know if it lightens the load or takes off the edge or removes some of the bite of those times. Again, it doesn't make all the problems go away necessarily. Sometimes it does. But it's just, again, shifting the burden from all on you saying, uh, Jesus carried the burden with me. And he's like, man, when you let me carry the burden, I ease your heart, I ease your mind, right? That's important. Now, the third idea is a little bit more practical. And that is give up the chronic stuff that robs you of peace. In other words, there may be some things in your life you have jurisdiction over, and you say, you know what? The time has come for me to unplug from that thing that keeps causing a problem. So if the problem is, I've been in this job for years, and I don't know what to do, and it constantly is grinding, and it's robbing all peace in life, move on. Right? You can move on from that. Or you can pivot in a different way. Or maybe it's just, I need to do something to change my attitude on the job that I have. Maybe you have a friendship that's soured. Well, then you know what? Maybe it's time for a boundary. Or to have somebody be be an intervening source to try to work through the problem, but don't just kind of dwell in the toxicity of that broken friendship. Maybe you have an overloaded schedule. We're so busy all the time. We're on the move all the time. What do we do? Say no to the next thing. Clear out some of the things on the schedule that you know are getting in the way, right? Maybe you're in a codependent relationship. We're going to get personal help. Like, you don't have to just stay in the cycle of madness forever. If it's addiction or an emotional hang-up, whatever it is, a plaguing criticism, bitterness. Like, there's resources where you go, I don't want to just stay there forever. I want to make decisions to get out of that space as much as possible. In fact, I think about one of the things that Jesus says to his posse when he sends them out for the first time. He says, uh, whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. And and if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. Here's how simple this is. He's like, hey man, I don't want you to go someplace that is perpetually miserable. If the misery is too much, shake off the dust and move on. That's actually okay. Did you know that? It's okay to do that. Now, here's what I'm going to say. If it requires you to sin to move on, no. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're like, man, I've analyzed it. I've prayed about it. I've worked it through. I've exhausted the options. It's time to move on. Moving on is okay. It is okay. Especially if you're like, man, it's just robbing us all of peace all the time in every way. Man, if there's something you can do, it's okay to do that. Right? You pray it out, you work it through, and then you perhaps move on. Now, in all of this, what I know is that there are just some things in life that you can't get around. 
right? You can't avoid them. You can't add stuff to, to try to enhance peace in a non-peace environment. Uh, it's just all that stuff. It just doesn't come together. Just in life, there's going to be hardship and pain and things that come up that are beyond your capacity and everything else. And so kind of with that, I would say what we all need is to try to ensure we create pockets of peace, right? Little breaks along the way, right? This is then your final point today, 4D. Have a game plan for regular intervals of peace and quiet. Right? These are psyche kind of Sabbaths, if you will. Some place or thing or event or whatever that's like an oasis for your soul, for your emotions, your mind, your heart in the desert journey of life. Because life is kind of like a desert journey. And one of the places I'd love to go for this little bit of wisdom is actually my man Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. You all know my favorite book of the Bible is Ecclesiastes. That and the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, kind of like my stomping grounds. And I love Solomon because he brings this raw, kind of edgy, like blunt force trauma to the Bible. Like where the, like Proverbs, for example, is like clean and tidy, and then Ecclesiastes is like just a dude at a bar angry about life, you know? And, and yet I go, that, that feels like life sometimes. And so he's getting toward the end of his literature, and he's giving all of this grand advice. And here is, I think, sometimes some of the most jarring stuff that he says in Ecclesiastes. He's frustrated by how life just ends in death. He says, the same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious, Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make no promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate, already twisted by evil. People choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. Like I said, an angry guy at a bar, right? As they say, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion says the living at least know they will die but the dead know nothing they have no further reward nor are they remembered whatever they did in this lifetime loving or hating or envying it is all long gone right they no longer play any part in anything here on earth he's so basically what he's saying is there is no peace right he's kind of frustrated by it. it's just so ridiculous so silly so what do you do in the face of life being so challenging and hard sometimes eat some food with joy Drink your wine with a happy heart. For God approves of this. Wear fine clothes, put on a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. I love this guy. Love this guy, man. Just raw, just unfiltered, just doesn't care. Here's how it is kind of thing. But here's what he's saying there. And five times he gives that advice in Ecclesiastes. After he says, life is hard, drink some wine. Life is hard eat some food. Life is hard. Hang out with your wife. Life is hard. Put on some cologne, right? Like, 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 at least smell good when it's terrible, you know? So, and, and what's so great about that is what he's saying is, you know what? Yes, you must find the little things, right? To be the rest and to be the peace and to be the quiet. You have to create those spaces, right? It doesn't have to be grand stuff. It's just like, all right, uh, have Monday morning walk, have Tuesday afternoon lunch with friend. Have Wednesday barbecue with close confidants, you know? Have Thursday cuddle on the couch. Whatever it is, you know? Have Friday getaway short weekend thing. It doesn't matter, but you just have to plan that space. Because if you don't, it won't just happen. 
Because like I said, peace doesn't happen. It means you just have to find those pockets. If painting fills you up, paint, right? If tinkering, if hobby, whatever it is, just do that. Video gaming, if that unplugs your brain, great. Whatever the thing is, man, find that space that can create the peace. Because life is hard. I know I keep saying that, but if we're all honest about it, we know it is. It's always going to serve up a new challenge. And, and so this is why kind of knowing the fact that life is always going to push back. It's like, like there's peace, and then there's this entropy against peace all the time. And therefore, we have to kind of opposite the pressure of that by doing right things, avoiding wrong things, realizing that all those things will teach us, and then from that, implementing the things that try to, again, press back on the pressure to crush peace. And we go, nope, not going to let that happen. I'm going to do my best as much as I can to resist that and be a positive force of peacemaking in our world. Let's go ahead and pray together. Now, um, in talking about peace, one of the things I didn't talk about as much is the grander idea of this idea that God made peace with us through Jesus coming into the world and Jesus living and dying and rising again. That whole thing was to, to take a broken relationship and heal it in bringing peace to our hearts and souls. And there may be some today here that are with us or some that are watching online or maybe you're going to watch in a few days or whatever else and you're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus and you don't know this peace between you and God that Jesus offers. And today I just want to offer that to you as the starting point of saying, you know what, I, I haven't been on point with God. I haven't been in relationship with God. I'm not a Christian and I want that to be different in my life. I want to then pursue the God of peace who has pursued peace for me. If that's where you find your internal space today, uh, I just invite you to pray. Say, Jesus, I've gone my own way. I've sinned. There isn't peace in my life, and I know you're the source of peace. So forgive these things that I've done throughout my life. Bring me in to your family. Rescue me from myself and rescue me to this journey of peace. If you have made that your prayer today, we would love to know. On our app, there's a tile you can click and say, I've decided to follow Jesus, or there'll be a number on the screen after this. You can text us and just say, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus. We'd love to know that. We'd love to know that. And then for the rest of us, Jesus, we come before you, and I pray that we will uh, remember, especially in the, the harder times, the darker times, the more frustrated times, whatever it is, we will remember, hey, you are the source of peace. In the midst of the storm, you are the source of peace. And that we will rush to you but then also in this, we will remember in the good times that, hey, other people are going through bad times, and we are to be the peacemakers in their lives as well. We are to be, in many ways, your hands and feet of bringing peace to others who are hurting. Help us to own that calling and responsibility and to be what you want us to be. And so, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We certainly need you. And we rely on you this day and every day. In your good name, amen.